Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everyone and welcome to another episode of the geek buddies well we're back again this week with so much to talk about from the world of geekdom and we're gonna have a lot of fun doing it uh, for you all i am the outlaw john roca joined as always by these two gentlemen mikey what do you got uh michael vogel writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and fresh out of a hot-ass park, Shannon McClung, how are you? Uh, I'm okay, Johnny. This is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and Modern Family. And I do have a little bit of a sunburn. I was out in the, <laughs> I was out in the sun all day today. I love it. What were you it. doing there, it. Shannon? What were you doing, I'm- Shannon? I was. I'm in rehearsals for for my for my role at Universal Studios Raptor Ooh. Encounter. So I was in the sun since 9 a.m. Yeah, how, ladies and gentlemen. How those Raptors doing? How those Raptors doing out in the heat? You know, they've they've been sleepy. They've been resting for a year. They're shaking <laughs> off the cobwebs, getting ready to getting ready to open next week. Yeah, there you go, opening next week. So if you go to Universal Studios, it might say our own Shannon McClung over there handling the Raptors uh, for sure. Uh, but for those of you who are new, welcome uh, to uh, the Geek Buddies. Thanks for taking a chance on us. Whether you're watching us on our YouTube channel, on the sh- rather on the YouTube show, yeah, and or you're listening to us on the podcast feed. Ooh, we're doing this six o'clock at night. My brain's kind of fried already. <laughs> I'm gonna do my best here. Yeah, but uh, thank you so much. If you've uh, been returning, uh, thank you so much for staying on the Geek Buddies train. This is how it works. Each of us brings up a geek news item, we discuss it, and then we jump into our main topic. And of course, our main topic: How can it not be today? Is the Ray Fisher interview with the Hollywood Reporter breaking down everything that he said and kind of discussing it, probably debating it, maybe battling about it as we get into that area. But uh, let's jump into our uh, first uh, uh, Geek Buddy item. Who, who's got it? That would be me. Holy heck fire. We got the second trailer for Loki. <coughs> and my goodness, this looks like a blast. I mean, we got to see some more of Owen Wilson's Mobius, M-Mobius. We got to see some Goo Goo Mbatha Ra. Uh, we, we get to see 
the, the the headquarters of the the Time Variance Authority, which sort of looks like an airport Marriott. Um, <laughs> everything about this trailer. This is from Michael Waldron, who's who's a who's a writer from Rick and Morty. It's being directed by uh, a woman named Kate Heron, who did Sex Education for Netflix. Again, oh. a very very funny, very kind of quirky show. Everything about this trailer thus far, I am fully on board with. But as we've seen with Disney Plus. They know how to cut a trailer. But, gentlemen, what did you think of our second look at Loki before it premieres June 11th? Uh, I, it, it clicked. Uh, it checked all the WandaVision boxes for me. You know, we've been enjoying Falcon and Winter Soldier, pretty straightforward Marvel show. Now we get to jump into some real wackiness, some real jumping back and forth in time, get introduced to the Time Variance Authority here on screen, get to see more with Loki, get to see Tom Hiddleston finally get to do a bit more with Loki than he's done over the last few years. That's exciting. But Owen Wilson is the star of this damn trailer. This is a buddy cop movie and or buddy cop series in essence. Uh, and both of them are obviously going to are trying to kind of screw the other one over or manipulate the other one. And you see it coming the whole time. And it looks exciting as hell. They've spent money on this. You can tell from looking at this thing. So I'm excited to see what more we're going to get and where we're going to go and what surprises we're going to get and who is going to show up to shock us all as we go through this. Mikey, what did you think? Yeah, I thought I thought it was absolutely great. Super excited. Uh, looking at this trailer and getting a little bit more about what the story looks like it's going to be, you can see why they have a Rick, a Rick and Morty uh, person <laughs> at the helm here. True. This is going to be a Citadel of Rick's level craziness <laughs> in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, yeah, like just the whole concept of it is great. The style of it is great. I love that the Time Variance Authority just has that shitty 1970s DMV vibe. Uh, I think... I think the it really does seem like, you know, uh, as Marvel moves into phase four, both with WandaVision and now looking at Loki, their success seems to lie in getting into the weirder parts of yeah. the comic book universe. Uh, and it looks like Loki is going to be just chock full of Easter eggs, kind of just like, you know, WandaVision had the hexagons. And here you just see that hourglass symbol all over the TVA. It's just there's going to be a ton to talk about. And just the entire concept of the show. I mean, kind of Loki having to deal with the results. You know, we know from uh, Avengers uh, Endgame uh, mm -hmm. that when you take an Infinity Stone out of reality, out of a reality, uh, it messes with that reality. And it looks like that's exactly what Loki does. And watching him have to fix that and all of the hints at what we're going to see, who this hooded figure might be, although mm -hmm. I think a lot of people kind of have some solid bets on that one. Yeah, it's Mephisto. That yeah. I didn't want to spoil it, but it's that. You know it's what? finally him. It's finally Mephisto. <laughs> um, it just looks great. It looks like there's gonna be a ton to talk about, and really excited to see how this plays into some other parts of the Marvel universe, uh, including the introduction of Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. Um, in the next uh, Ant Man and Wasp movie, and. We already know that this is one of the Disney Plus shows that's getting a season two. So we know that this isn't just a one-off, that what's happening here is going to extend into a second season and potentially beyond. So it looks like Marvel and Disney are pretty confident uh, in Loki and Tom Hiddleston, and I think we should all be as well. Yeah, I mean, just like what John said, I mean, this this sort of buddy cop dynamic, like watching it, watching Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston together, I was getting like 48 hours vibes. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this could this could be an absolute blast. And we forget sometimes... 
Owen Wilson is a really, really good actor. I mean, I mean, he he hit kind of a, he hit a rough patch personally, and at, you know he was doing all, he, he was doing some of some of the sillier comedies, uh, a lot of oh wow, geez, gosh, whoa, whoa what what next? Um, but you you look at like uh, some of the work that he's done, like uh, in, in like the Royal Tannenbaums. I mean, like Owen Wilson, th- there is a deep well there, and just the interplay that he has with tom hiddleston i think they could be they could be a really really fantastic duo that you know we could see in a season two as well yeah and i feel like both these guys are we like we haven't seen them in a bit in loki we haven't seen him kind of play oh it's tom hiddleston rather we haven't seen him play loki in a bit as i just mentioned but owen wilson we were kind of owen wilson out to be honest with you by the time stuff started happening so Sometimes someone that goes away for a little while, it makes us forget. And then when he comes back or she comes back, we're like, oh, man, I forgot how great this dude or or this actress can be. So it's great to see them connecting in that way. Also, Michael, you bring up an excellent point. That one shot of the timeline and the and the offshoots already, that's we got the Multiverse of Madness coming. We've heard so many things about that. Even I I was thinking even of Infinity War, I think it's Infinity War when uh, Tilda Swinton is like, pulling stuff out of the timeline showing what can happen if you mess with the infinity stones all of it so all of it seems to be very very interconnected and they are really going to push the boundaries of this new universe going into phase four yeah, that was end, that was the scene in Endgame. That was when Endgame, when, right. when Bruce yeah. when Bruce Banner went to go see her, and right. when when she plucked that that the, that stone out, and you got to see this this alternate timeline yeah. became kind of dark. I mean, yeah, I mean that's they they kind of show that digital graphic that right. Right. it would be uh, the same effect. Well, and two things that I think are interesting, you know, this uh, this Loki in the show, yeah. this variant Loki, as is very clear because it's printed on the back of his uh, time <laughs> variant shirt. Uh, this is not our MCU timelines Loki strictly right. speaking like our MCU's timelines Loki is dead Thanos killed him we all saw it this variant uh due to the Avengers time travel that pops out he doesn't have the character growth of uh Thor 2 or um Thor Ragnarok. 3 or even Ragnarok uh, yeah, yeah yeah this Loki is fresh off an alien invasion in Avengers 1 and is still pretty much a dick. Mm-hmm. And so getting to see this Loki kind of back to his old mischievous ways and watching this Loki's character growth, I think is going to be a lot of fun. It's almost like we get a do-over and get to see Tom Hiddleston go through a lot of the same beats again. But rather than that feeling kind of like a rehash, I yeah. think it's going to be really fresh and interesting. And given just some of the things we see in the trailer, it seems pretty clear that this Loki is going to be facing off against a bunch of other Lokis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know that that in a in a multiverse of Lokis, there are a ton of Lokis, including some that might not be male, uh, uh, which I yeah. think <laughs> big hints. In the trailer so yeah. <laughs> i think uh i i can't wait i mean i i will say that i was always like i thought the idea that disney doing a loki series was cool i think mm-hmm. i was always more excited for wandavision and falcon and winter soldier and obviously what if because i'm a i'm an animation nerd but uh these trailers have got me pretty stoked and kind of thinking that maybe loki may end up being my favorite we will see yeah, it certainly feels that way, doesn't it? The Flying Loki's Utah chapter. That's basically what we've got here in this whole situation, <laughs> I feel like. 
And, and we should say, before we wrap up this section, we can officially announce that Emma Fife will be coming back to join Yay. us to review these episodes of Loki. So that's going to be a lot of fun to have her back on with Geek Buddies to do these reviews. Still, we're still doing the Falcon and Winter Soldier ones with Mike Kalinowski. Very thankful that he's on those. But eventually, we will get to Emma doing these Lokis. And when does that come out there, uh, Shin? June 11th. Oof, right around the corner, man. Less, Almost yeah. less than a month away. Wow. Yeah, we're wrapping up Falcon Winter Soldier. We get a little bit of a Bad Batch break to uh, yeah. take in some Star Wars before we dive into uh, some Loki. Like, Disney Plus has got us uh, well taken care of for the immediate future as far as nerdy things. Yeah, and real quick, Laura Kelly will be back to review Bad Batch with us on that as well. So just uh, we, we will not leave you alone, ladies and gentlemen. You, we will carry you through the year. Review Central here on the Geek Buddies. All right, where we're off to next? Uh, well, we've got cartoons, cartoons, cartoons. Uh, there, how did I do? Did I do good chance? <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, two big animated trailers came out in the past week uh, that we are very, very excited for. Uh, the first one from Warner Brothers, uh, something that we've all known has been coming for a while, but we finally got our first real look at it, is uh, Space Jam 2. Mm. Uh, the Space Jam trailer uh, was a lot of a lot. Uh, where to <laughs> even begin? Uh, let's see. LeBron James and his son get sent, uh, to the, what is it called again? The, oh crap. I had it written down. Oh no. No. Uh, well. Down into the Looney Tune verse, basically. Down into the Looney Tune world. Uh, basically into the Warner Brothers library. That's where they get (laughs) sent. Uh, no, uh, LeBron James gets sent, uh, much like Michael Jordan did in the original, gets sent to play basketball with the Looney Tunes, but this time their audience is literally the entire hmm. Warner Brothers library. Uh, so we've got Bugs Bunny, Lola Bunny, Daffy Duck, all of them back, but we've also got Iron Giant and mm-hmm. Fred Flintstone and the dragons from Westeros and the Penguin and Mr. Freeze and the cast of Clockwork Orange. Uh, it was a crazy trailer. Uh, if you are a fan of the original, it you should be excited about this one. Uh, definitely a little bit more than people were expecting, I think. Uh, this time, instead of the Monstars, they are tra- uh, playing against the Goon Squad yeah. in a much more digital basketball game than uh, happened in 1996. Uh, Don Cheadle is involved this time. Uh, Sonequa Martin-Green plays LeBron James' wife. Uh, it is it is jam-packed, uh, directed by Michael Lee alongside producer Ryan Coogler, coming out in July. What did you guys think? I know I'm excited, but yeah. I... Love Space Jam. I love Bugs Bunny. I love Lola Bunny. I'm on board. What did you guys think of this one? Uh, Shannon? Well, it was, you know, the first Space Jam, that's a movie that I saw one time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't one time. And it's like, I liked it. I was like, oh, this is funny. It's, you know, Bill Murray showing up at the end. Michael Jordan talking with Bugs Bunny. I mean, like, it was fun. But it wasn't something that, that can, like, that it just, it didn't bring me back. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at this, I mean, from what I remember, at least, um, this seems to be like it's it's going to be a much more emotional story because you got LeBron James with his son who seems to have been kind of taken capture uh, by Don Cheadle. And like the only way to get him back is to play him in basketball. And I'm assuming win. Um, the thing that really kind of struck me about the trailer was they kind of took everything that they learned from Ready Player One and like, hey, we're going to we're going to take all the good stuff from Ready Player One and put it in a much more fun movie. Now, for me personally, I did not really connect to Ready Player One. Uh, I thought some of the visuals were incredible, but ultimately I just feel like oh, this is just kind of cold and lifeless. Whereas with this, I mean, the, the shot of Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze behind Don Cheadle cheering, um, clearly probably not Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I was just, just the fact that you have a bald blue guy behind you. Uh, I, I think this movie looks like a blast. And 
it would definitely be one that I, I'm, I'm glad that I'll get to see it on HBO Max. But this this looks like a big screen experience. This looks like a ride. So I definitely would want to see this in the theater. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this one. It, uh, Space Jam has its place, but I, this one looks like way better animation, way better graphics, way better look overall for it. And I'm excited for it. I feel like LeBron James might even quietly be a better actor than Michael Jordan. So I like that what we're getting here is something that I enjoy and I'm excited to see it. We got we got late news after the trailer dropped that Zendaya will be playing Lola, voice of Lola Bunny. So that's pretty cool. We also get, uh, you know, you mentioned the clockwork orange. Pennywise the clown is in this thing. I, 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 we got rid of Pepe Le Pew, but the clown, the kids is allowed in the movie. I don't get it. Also, also the Droogs rape a woman in Clockwork Orange, but Pepe Le Pew's an issue? I get that they're on the bad side, but they don't have to fucking be in the trailer. So just it's kind of an interesting decision by Warner Brothers, but I think Mike nailed it on the head. This is essentially a commercial for the entire Warner Brothers brand, and why not? I mean, it's a lot of fun. It looks great, visually attractive. You get someone like Don Cheadle to bring his uh, you know great acting chops as the villain. He always is. I love him as a villain. It's so much fun. And yes, you're right. There's a little more of a emotional story here because this is kind of shocking because LeBron is actually pretty open about how supportive he is of his kids. But in this uh, frame, in this situation, his kid obviously is not getting allowed to be what he wants to be. And so LeBron's got to go on this journey as a dad. And Sonequa Mark Green gets one scene in the whole trailer. And I think that's a bit of a crime. Hopefully she's a little more present in the movie. But overall, this looks fun. This looks vibrant. This looks like something I definitely would watch right now if it dropped today. So I'm excited to see what we get. Johnny, knowing how competitive Michael Jordan is. Yeah, yeah. Do you think this movie comes out, eclipses the first one? And as we saw from The Last Dance, like Michael Jordan is... Uh, uh, supremely competitive. Do we get a Space Jam trilogy with LeBron James and Michael Jordan? No, they they <laughs> they, they do not like each other. Uh, Is so that right? I, yes. So I oh. don't see that happening. Uh, LeBron uh, or Michael. There's a lot of rumors that Michael Jordan approved the Last Dance being released this year to take away the attention from LeBron going for the title with the Lakers. There was a lot of rumors of that. These guys just had, just do not get along for whatever reason. And LeBron didn't tweet one thing about the last dance, if I'm correct on that. So there's just some kind of, there's a little, uh, you know, competitive between the two. Uh, And a lot of people debate and argue in the sports world about who really is the GOAT. There are a lot more LeBron James defenders now after he won with the Lakers than there were before. So this kind of messes with Michael pretty deeply. But anyway. Listen, though, though, I mean, if you're going to really be honest about it, I mean, Bugs and Daffy have a very similar rivalry. They got over their shit. Yeah, but who's brutal, Daffy? So. That's the thing. Who's Daffy? <laughs> that is, I think that I think LeBron and Michael might have a different opinion on, uh, on who Daffy is. Uh, no, I I do think uh, you know I, I I I do love the original Space Jam. Yeah. I also admit that the original Space Jam is kind of ridiculous, uh, and I do think that this whole concept of kind of going into this alternative. Uh, AI universe where all these characters exist definitely beats the idea that the Looney Tunes live in the center of the earth, which was seemingly <laughs> the plot of Space Jam. So yeah. I definitely uh, I definitely think there's some cool things here. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of articles about both pro and con that this whole subgenre of all universes together, whether it be Wreck-It Ralph or mm. Lego Movie or this or Ready Player One, uh, is either like the death of art or the new art form or something. But I gotta be honest, like, 
I think it's great. I think to Shannon's point, I think Ready Player One, uh, I loved the book and the movie was kind of lifeless to me. So mm-hmm. I do feel like this is almost like a Ready Player One redo where we can see what we wanted to see in Ready Player One, but in a much more fun, silly, ridiculous, uh, almost, might you say, loony. Oh, yeah. And, and the director is Malcolm D. Lee. He's done a number of films here. Undercover Brother, which is hilarious. Roll Bounce, a lot of people love. Best Man, The Best Man Holiday. Barbershop, The Next Cut. Night School, the Kevin Hart one. Uh, and uh, right, and he even did an episode of Wu Tang, an American saga, that Wu Tang uh, uh, TV series that was there about their coming together. And also, Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins, that Art Lawrence film, if I remember correctly. So, Malcolm <laughs> Dealey comes with with a little bit of credibility, a little bit of a good resume here for him. So, this will be interesting to see what he does with the movie for sure. Now, before we jump to the next one, really quick, who's yeah. your favorite Looney Tune? Who's your favorite Looney Tune? It's always Bugs Bunny, always. <laughs> Although Yosemite Sam is pretty close, I'm not going to lie. To you. I'm going to say you're more Yosemite Sam than. Well, my buddy. favorite <laughs> versus who I you am. Are are Yosemite, like, you are more Yosemite. You are more Yosemite Sam. That is true. That's true. Damn, uh, Marvin. Uh, pro- I always like Marvin the Martian. I thought Marvin the Martian was always hilarious. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Little diminutive uh, guy, but smarter than everybody else. I gotta go. I gotta go. Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck is my favorite. So really? We'll, uh... You're Bugs Bunny. How could Daffy Duck be no. your favorite? We all know that I'm more Bugs Bunny. Okay, okay. okay. I just really, really enjoy Daffy Duck. All right. Uh, he's ridiculous. He's, you yes. know, I think probably there's something about a a, uh, a, a over-the-top, ridiculous, slightly manic, uh, egomaniacal, crazy person that just uh, just appeals to me for reasons that I probably should get into with my therapist. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but I like it. Fair but point. I like it. <laughs> Airport. What and else do, you got for us, Mike? Uh, oh, sorry. All right. So, in addition to Space Jam, we also got the trailer for Batman: The Long Halloween Part Ooh. One uh, from Warner Brothers uh, Animation and Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Uh, this thing looks amazing. Uh, yeah. It's based on the classic, uh, one of the top Batman stories of all time, uh, the Tim Sale Jeff Loeb classic Long Halloween. Uh, it involves Batman in his early days uh, working with uh, a young Jim Gordon and a pre-Two-Face Harvey Dent uh, trying to track down a serial killer over over a year-long stint in Gotham. Uh, it looks fantastic. The first one comes out soon. The second one comes out later this year. The first one is rated PG-13. The second one is rated R. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's part of this new sort of era of the DC animated movies that started with uh, Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Uh, It's continuing with Justice Society of America, uh, World War II, and then is going into Batman Long Halloween. It's a brand new animation style. It's kind of a brand new take on all of these DC characters. Uh, It's directed by Chris Palmer, and it is written by our good friend and geek buddy and Mm. college alumni, Tim Sheridan. Uh, who also wrote Superman Man of Tomorrow. We had him on Geek Buddies to talk about Man yeah. of Tomorrow, so hopefully we'll have him on to talk about Batman The Long Halloween as well. Uh, fellas, I know we're all fans of Batman. I know we're all fans of Long Halloween. What uh, did you guys think of this trailer? I mean, go for it, Johnny. I was just going to say, I love the animation style, man. 
it really stood out to me. A more mature, more adult approach to the long Halloween because it is a more adult story. And remember, this this is 25 years ago. So pretty incredible to be to be finally putting this out as an animated film. Came out in 96, uh, uh, but it was over 13 issues. And having them kind of explore the darker edges of the animated universe of DC excites me. I like the voiceover work being done here as well. And this is part one. So how many parts of the going to be how much are they condensing the story those are my concerns not necessarily dings just concerns to see how they make it all work because they really made it work for the dark knight returns so i hope the same thing happens here and it certainly looks like they're starting out on the right foot judging from this trailer uh shannon yeah, you know, the animation style for Superman, Man of Tomorrow, I mean, I know they're similar, but like, I didn't love it for Superman, Man of Tomorrow, right, maybe right. because it's just so bright. Um, it just looked very, very flat to me. Whereas I think with the darker, the, the darker setting, I think play plays into it better. Um, the voiceover cast is really what has me kind of intrigued by it. I mean, you know, Jensen Ackles, you know, he played, played Red Hood for uh, Under the Red Hood. Um, now he's playing Batman and yeah. like he, he, he does terrific voiceover work, but also you've got Josh Dumel <laughs> playing, yeah. playing Harvey Dent. Like, like Josh Dumel, I think is, I think is a, a, a really good actor, but I never knew him as a voiceover artist. Yeah. And, but like listening to the trailer, I'm like, yeah, that works. And also, uh, correct, help me with the pronunciation of his name, John, David, uh, is it uh, Dismal Dismal Dismalchian? Dismalchian? Yeah. Dismalchian, yeah. Who's playing Calendar Man and <laughs> will, will also be playing Polka Dot Man yeah. in uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I mean, he he's a dynamite actor. I mean, he's one of those guys that you look at, like he's so much fun to watch. I mean, he's so funny in the Ant-Man movies, but then you see him in The Dark Knight and he is absolutely terrifying. So it will be interesting to hear his take on Calendar Man. Yeah, Mike, do any of these voices have you... I mean, Fred Tattashore's in this. I'm sure you've worked with him at some point, haven't you? Uh, uh, no, yes or no? Yeah, yeah, no, okay. I think I have on some stuff. Uh, okay. But like like you guys said, it's huge. I mean, in addition to what Shannon said, uh, yeah. you know, like Jensen Ackles is Batman Bruce Wayne. Uh, the late Naya Rivera from Glee is yes. doing uh, Selena Kyle. Yes. Josh Duhamel is Harvey Dent. Billy Burke as James Gordon. Titus Welliver as Carmine Falcone. Mm. Uh, David Dasmalkin as Calendar Man. Troy Baker as the Joker. Amy Landecker as Barbara Gordon. Julie Nathanson as Gilda Dent. Jack Quaid as Alberto. Fred Tattashore as Solomon Grundy and Alistair yeah. Duncan as Alfred. Like that is a stacked yeah. deck. Yeah. Uh, it's a great, I mean, The Long Halloween is one of those great Batman stories that has basically every Batman villain in the world in it. Uh, it gets back to kind of the organized crime roots, which is why the Falcone family is in it. Uh, and, you know, uh, a lot of uh, the inspiration that Matt Reeves says that he's pulled for the new uh, uh, Robert Battenson Bat mm. trilogy or Bat series uh, is pulled from Long Halloween. So there's going to be a lot of similarities there, at least tonally. Um, so it's great. Like I said, I I, I I understand what Shannon's saying about Man of Tomorrow, but I really like the animation style. I uh, yeah. I thought it was really vibrant and different. And in just looking at the trailer for Justice Society and then looking at this trailer, it's it's really cool. I kind of like that they're kind of rebuilding an animated universe in a whole new way with DC. I mean, I know that if anybody follows us on Twitter, they know that both Shannon and I, and I think Johnny as well, have like kind of been going back through the DC animated movies of the past uh, several years uh you know uh leading up to apocalypse war and kind of going through those and those are all fantastic and great but i'm really liking this bold new direction and uh really liking that our friend tim is uh, a key part yes. of this, which is also very very exciting it's nice yeah. to have cool nerdy buddies 
Absolutely. And Chris Palmer coming back to direct this thing like he did, Superman Man of Tomorrow. So it could be an interesting next step for both of them to see how they handle this uh, project and see if they can really hit the target on this one. And we hope so. And like you said, Mike, we hope to have him on the show to talk about it uh, very, very soon. Um, all right. When is that coming out? Do you know, Mike, when does it say when it's coming out? They have not really said it is coming okay. soon. We, we know it's okay. coming soon and the part two is coming near the end of the year. So uh, okay. that is all we know at the moment. But uh, okay. stay tuned and we will let you know. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our last uh, Geek Buddy news item. And that is the new Black Widow trailer dropped over the weekend. Saw some people complaining. Hey, why do you drop a trailer on Easter weekend? Blah, blah, blah. If you don't want to do your job, don't do your job. You know what I'm saying? Hand it off to someone else who's happy to work during a holiday weekend to do it, to, to do a, a trailer breakdown or talk about the trailer. Uh, this one, I really, really enjoyed. I'll be honest with you guys. I was kind of in this place. Like, it doesn't even matter. You've heard me say it on the reviews. Like, does it even matter? This is coming out now at this point. Well, I should shut my mouth because it certainly it felt like it matters after watching this trailer. We get more with Scarlett Johansson voiceover talking about her beginning, talking about going back, exploring uh, her beginnings. Here we get Florence Pugh, uh, some more with her as well. We find out David Harbour is actually their dad. So we get, or what we sense is their dad. So there's a lot of relationship conversation here too. Rachel Weiss, uh, oh no, yeah, Rachel Weiss in here saying what she's saying. You know, we thought it was real. And she's like, it was roles you were playing. Well, it was real to me. So there's a lot of the relationship that is explored here in the first kind of minute of the trailer. And then we get some badass action sequences highlighted by that sequence in midair with Taskmaster, with Black Widow going at each other in the sky. It looks incredible. Love this trailer. Got me completely back on board to see this thing. And I know it's coming out July 9th on Disney uh, Premium Access and in theaters. And we're uh, it'll, and we'll have all theaters open in L.A. after June 15th. So people will be able to go see this on the big screen again. Might have to take a trip up to see me and my two brothers here. Um, what did you guys think about this one? What did you feel? I mean, I love the fact that they are using the same score that they used in the previous trailer. Uh, yes. um, I, I'm hoping that that's maybe the score for the film because it's just it's it's just very vibrant. It just fits in that sort of cloak and dagger cloak and dagger world. Um, I'm really curious to see the relationship because, like, when they were when they were talking about like you know you were playing roles, well, we thought it was real. It reminded me of the Americans with uh, mm. Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese, like this whole sort of fabricated family. Uh, maybe the girls, the daughters didn't know it was fake back then. And just oh, yeah. Florence, Florence Pugh's one line to Natasha, like, did you ever wonder what happened to me? It's just like, you get the sense like, oh, Natasha left her. Like, that's yeah. that's certainly a possibility. Like, she she discovered what this actually was and took off and essentially left her little sister. Um, and I love just the difference in like the sort of the flashback David Harbour. And then they, they <laughs> cut to that great shot of him with this enormous beard and he's all tatted up and he's flexing in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, red guardian is the character, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big David Harbour fan. So I'm, so I'm excited to see that, but also finding more out about taskmaster. I mean, there's always something very ominous when you have a villain behind a mask. It's just sort of that, you know, uh, just that stare that, you know, then no expression. I mean, I, I think it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And at this point, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a year and three months late. Uh, I, I'm just glad that it finally, we're going to see it like July it's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think, Mike? 
Yeah, I think they did a really smart thing by sort of starting it with like a little sort of mini MCU recap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think kind of it's been a while. It's been a minute. We know the movie's been delayed. I think to Johnny's point, a lot of people were kind of feeling like, okay, like we know what happens to Black Widow, what matters. And I think mm-hmm. uh, kind of going back and showing those kind of uh, key moments of her story throughout the MCU, uh, reminding us of why we care about Natasha Romanov in the first place, yeah. and then tying that into how that relates to her story kind of automatically re-engages us. Uh, it was like, it was, it was almost like the, defri- the, the nerd defibrillator on your chest. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm in. Clear. We're good. Uh, and yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm super, super interested. Like, I think it's going it, to, a, it's a story that I'm engaged in, even though I know the end. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, or at least I know Natasha's end. Uh, I'm really curious about it. I think the action looks fantastic. I really cannot wait to see this in a big theater and then be able to come home and instantly rewatch it on my Disney Plus. So for me, it's a win-win. I really also like, I'm really intrigued to see how this does fit in to phase four of the MCU. Because even though we know that Natasha's story ends, um, I believe we also know that Florence Pugh is in Hawkeye. Uh, I yep. think she's in the Hawkeye series, and uh, you know I don't know whether Hawkeye is going to be showing up in this movie or not, but we definitely are going to find out more about Budapest, which is what uh, yeah. Natasha and Hawkeye talk an awful lot about. And so I think you know if this movie ends up, which I think it's going to be, if this movie does end up being the handoff from Natasha uh, to Florence Pugh's character to her to lead into her becoming the next Black Widow in Phase Four of the MCU, like I think. If they can pull that off, that's going to be really impressive. Like that's that's a really really cool use of this movie. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait. And like we've said before, this is just the movie that kicks off our year of Marvel movies like no other. Uh, like a, basically a Marvel movie every two months or so. So once it comes, it's like all bets are off and it's like full steam ahead. So all yeah. aboard the hype train. Toot, toot. Absolutely. Yeah, well, there it is. Coming out July 9th. We shall see how this one gets received. It looks like it's going to be badass. So I hope it is. And I hope people who've been waiting for a Black Widow movie are ultimately very, very satisfied with what they got and the wait. And remember, Time Variance Authority means anything can happen. Multiverse of Madness means anything could happen. Maybe we haven't seen the last of Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow just yet. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> there were rumors Chris Evans was coming back till they shot that thing down. So who knows? We shall see. The future holds a lot of interesting. There's a lot of rumors starting to build now that Tony uh, that uh, Tony Stark is going to come back and Robert Downey Jr. at some point in this phase four. So who can say? Who can say? Um, all right. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into our main topic. Uh, kind of get into this discussion here about the Ray Fisher interview on in the Hollywood Reporter. We'll be right back right after this. Nothing. Okay. I didn't know if music you was know, appropriate for this well, subject. I, 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 I was, I wasn't positive. All right. Well, let's go back then. I <laughs> Sorry. Maybe, maybe something for you to explore. But all right, all right. Let's move past that. Let's move past you and not being able to find wow. some appropriate. Uh, it's not that music. I wasn't able to. I didn't know if it, I did not know if it was appropriate. <laughs> Wow. All right, well, let's get into this. Uh, and this is going to be a fun discussion, I'm sure. But uh, a couple of days ago, or yesterday, rather, yesterday mornings we're recording this, uh, this interview dropped uh, from Ray Fisher in The Hollywood Reporter. This comes on the heels 
after Zack Snyder's Justly came out a few a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, Warner Media CEO Ann Sarnoff gave an interview, I think, to Variety, where she stated, "We're moving on. It was uh, it was nice that Zack got to do his thing. We settled the Ray Fisher thing." Uh, Walter Hamada is a person of color, so there's no way he can be racist, uh, which is ridiculous. And uh, and then we and then it was revealed that Ray Fisher is not under an NDA anymore. And Ray Fisher's lawyer himself, I believe, issued a statement saying, "Yes, Ray Fisher is no longer under an NDA or is not under NDA." And Ray Fisher now delivered this interview to Hollywood Reporter. So much here was revealed about his experiences on the set with Joss Whedon, about some of the racism that he encountered, or at least racist moments that he encountered, uh, not necessarily calling people racist, but certainly racist moments he encountered, insensitivity to his race or to the race, uh, to the character's race and how Cyborg was portrayed, how Victor Stone's story was laid out, how the physical movement of a character uh, was uh, kind of echoed other things from the past. Uh, how Booyah was a real issue for him. And we also got some revelations about Gal Gadot and these threats from Joss Whedon saying that he'd ruin her career, apparently making fun of Patty Jenkins. So much here was even Bridgerton, even the Bridgerton guy was dragged into this so because he had been in contention to possibly play, uh, was it uh, Superman's grandfather on Krypton? Uh, and that was kind of scuttled because apparently Jeff Johns didn't want a black man to play. So there's a lot. And Jeff Johns was uh, defended himself through a spokesperson saying, you know, I was married to an Asian woman before. Oh, no, to a black woman before, married to an Asian woman now. And he's uh, Lebanese American. So there was a lot in this article to to really consume here. And I'm still consuming it, to be honest with you, uh, almost two days later. Uh, I go to you two gentlemen. What stood out for you? What were you surprised by? What were you not surprised by? And do you think this is, in in essence, a pulling back of the curtain of what it's actually like to look at the machinations of a studio when it's confronted by something like this as the overall society is transitioning away from a certain attitude towards people of color to a more open and receptive attitude towards people of color uh, concerning their complaints uh, as they're portrayed on screen. I mean, the the big thing that I, that I took from it, yeah. uh, the Joss Whedon is not a, he's not a good guy. Like he, yeah. he's, he, he's a bad guy. Um, just from the beginning, you know, Ray Fisher had talked about how he was part of the part of the process of developing this character because yeah. you have a white director. You, I, I believe, Chris Terrio is white, the screenwriter, yes. um, and, and they wanted a, a black voice for their black character, and yeah. and and that makes sense. So he was so integral to the creative process of developing this character, and then, you know, they, he. he the whole cast seemed to have a very strong affection for mm-hmm. Zack Snyder. And they were kind of, they were, they were just put in a no win position where, you know, Zack left, Joss came in and Ray Fisher rightfully assumed that he would still have that voice that he had with the, with the previous team, because especially after watching the Snyder cut, like there were no issue. The, the issues were not on the performance side. I mean, yeah. there, there were no issues there. Um, so to hear Ray is is expressing his thoughts and to be shut down like that right away, like that's a terrible that's a terrible introduction that sets up a very adversarial relationship for this sort of truncated filming that you're going to have to do. And that was just that was just a shitty move. And then you find out uh, about him bragging about threatening to end Gal Gadot's career. I mean, like that's, 
that's a bad guy. Like that's, that's, that is a bad guy move. And then knowing how sensitive Ray was about his story being changed. Now look, as an actor, stuff changes. And, and unfortunately, unless you're the name above the title, you don't have a say about that. As an actor, you, you are hired to play this role. And sometimes those roles change. That doesn't make it not okay for you to be disappointed. Like you're allowed to be disappointed. And then you hear, you know, Joss was quoting something from, I think he was quoting something from Hamlet about like, you know, basically go say this, go say this booyah line. Now the booyah line, I'm, I'm, Kari Payton, who voiced Cyborg, like that was, I believe that was his. Like but that's he, an animated show. There's a different situation, I think. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, from 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 a from a studio perspective, like this is what the character, this is what the audience associates with this character. Right. Um, I, I didn't see an issue with that, but at the same time, like it it ran sort of parallel to to what Ray Fisher was doing. So to and it didn't seem and it didn't seem like the Booyah was a Joss Whedon thing. That that was more from like the 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 Berg John side. Like we want you to say this. And because I, I mean, at least in the article, uh, Joss said like, oh, so there's this catchphrase which Ray didn't want to do. Yeah. But yeah. they get to the day of doing it, and and Joss kind of made light of him not wanting to do it. And it's just like, don't do that. Don't do that. Like that again. That sets up that adversarial relationship. Like you're not going to get good work out of out of a performer by antagonizing them um so that was kind of that was kind of the main thing i mean the thing about the guy from bridgerton it's like krypton people are grown right yeah (laughs) so like who's to say like i think that i think that could have been a really interesting choice making him that but again you Filmmaking is a very collaborative process. But you're, and, you're, you're coming from an old school place. And I think what we're sensing from this is that there's a change that actors want to have happen. Actors of color, minorities, stere- uh, I'm sorry, minorities, uh, women, gender, like they want to have more agency with their characters. You're from the, oh, the way you're speaking. And I agree. I understand where you're coming from is the old way of doing things. And I think what Ray Fisher is trying to do is change that. And more actors are trying to change that so they can have more agency with their characters. And there are some executives and people in power who do want to be, who want to be okay with it, who can be okay with that. And I think that's what's coming through from me, from what you're talking about, and also from what I'm reading in this article. Uh, And it's interesting. Mike, what did you think about this thing? Well, to summarize what Shannon said, Joss Whedon's a piece of shit. Well, sure. Uh, like that's that's pretty clear. I mean, Joss Whedon yeah. is just a piece of shit. Uh, that that everything Shannon said, I echo. I mean, it just sounds like he treated people shitty across the board, uh, yeah. not just Ray Fisher, but kind of everybody. It just sounds like he's got a lot of shit he needs to work through, and uh, and it looks like just given everything that's been happening of late, uh, it looks like he's hopefully going to be paying the price for for that kind of behavior. Um, I think beyond that, you know, it's sort of Ray Fisher kind of in the moment that everything was happening on the Justice League set was dealing with the Joss Whedon of it all, which I think Shannon did a really good job of kind of uh, recapping. Post the Joss Whedon, uh, and I guess during as well, there's also the Jeff Johns of it all, which is yeah. sort of this Jeff Johns trying to, you know, to, like, it, it, it's an interesting situation because Ray Fisher got caught up in this whole thing that Warner Brothers was not happy and listen, whether we can all argue about this all day, Warner Brothers was not happy with Batman versus Superman. Uh, even yes. though there's a lot of people that love Batman versus Superman, Warner Brothers was like, we aren't happy with how this movie performed. 
and we're worried that Justice League is going to be another Batman versus Superman. And and yeah. Zach has been very public about the fact that he was battling that. And when he had the personal tragedy that he had, he was like, I can't battle this anymore. I'm out. So Joss yeah. Whedon steps in and his marching orders and Warner Brothers are like, let's make this movie more fun. Let's make this a happier movie. And, you know, as Ray Fisher has said in the article, uh, definitely, you know, he says that he heard that there was the, we can't have an angry black man at the center of the movie. Warner Brothers said, we never said that. I've been in a lot of these rooms. I've been in a lot of executive discussions. I will almost 100% guarantee that they said that somebody said that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am sure that that conversation came up. And so this idea of kind of making all the heroes a little lighter and happier, including Cyborg. And like, yeah. you really run into this problem because Ray Fisher did so much work, like Shannon said, with Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio to kind of build this idea of Cyborg of Stone as kind of this superhero Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And superhero Frankenstein is not the guy that's going to say booyah. Like, I love right. Cyborg and Teen Titans. I love Kari Payton. Uh, and I love his booyah. But yeah. that's not necessarily what this Vic Stone was going to do. And so kind of trying to force it, like, Ray Fisher was right to feel weird about it. Uh, and it just kind of speaks to the fact that it's it, it's less that it was a it's less that Warner Brothers it, it's where it's where this whole idea of like what is racist and what is not racist gets really interesting because it's not that everybody was coming in and doing anything that was overtly racist but it was a whole lot of Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio being very careful and handling it very appropriately. Yes to yes. talk to their black actor and say, what is your experience and how can we build this organically so that you feel good about this and we feel good about this and that this black superhero who came out prior to Black Panther, this big black superhero in this big movie uh, is treated appropriately. And then to have a bunch of people, a bunch of white executives and directors and people come in afterwards and say, forget all of that nuanced work that we discussed. Here's what we need you to do. And we don't really care what you think. So yep. is that overtly racist? Maybe not. But is that being completely insensitive to race? It 100% is. And I think that yep. the issue with what Warner Brothers is kind of their stance on all of this right now post this Ray Fisher article is that they did this whole internal investigation and came out and said, no, none of these, none of the decisions that were made were based on race. We, mm -hmm. Therefore, we are not racist. We are in the clear. Let us move on. We've done nothing wrong. And they're probably, by the letter of the law, correct that no choices were strictly based on race. There was a bunch of issues with wanting Justice League to be successful and how do we change all these things, it's true, but there was absolutely an insensitivity to race. And that ties right into the Jeff Johns and Krypton of it all. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the, the whole concept, just really quickly, and then the mm -hmm. whole concept of, uh, you know, not even considering uh, Reggie Jean Page for uh, Kal-El's grandfather, or there was the other issue with uh, the black actress who had her hair done one way in one scene uh, and a different yes. way in another scene. And Jeff Johns was like, well, her hair needs to be the same. And she was like, well, it's kind of a black thing that, you know, we do, we redo our hair every day. So we do it differently all the time. And he goes, it's not a black thing. It's a continuity thing. And this woman said, I think on Twitter or in an interview, she was like, the second that a white executive told me what was and wasn't a black thing, I knew that I was out. And I think yeah. this is to John's point, the changing face of what's happening is None of these things are like, I am a racist and I'm trying to keep you down, but it is a complete lack of sensitivity to the fact that there are different experiences that you as a white executive or a Lebanese white executive uh, may not be aware of. 
Yeah, and I think that's what has to come through from this article is that I hope it wakes people up. Because, listen, you may call Joss Whedon a dick, but he ain't an anomaly. He's not an exception to the rule. A lot of directors have been this way for decades in this town. A lot of directors. I mean, Olivia Wilde gave that interview where she said, I spoke to a successful older director. He said, I have to pick eight fights on a set so I can assert my authority. Pick fights to assert my authority. That's small dick. I haven't seen a therapy kind of, I haven't seen a therapist kind of behavior. It's this kind of old school masculine, uh, 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 toxic masculinity about how to do, oh, was, it, was there something I said? Sorry, Shan. No. <laughs> <laughs> Shan's picking his fight. That's fight number one. Shan's out. Oh, I'm sorry. What, what were you saying, John? Uh, I... <laughs> anyway, but that's, but that's the whole thing when you look at this article, you know, Mike and I went back and forth on, on text yesterday, going back and forth about it. And to me, I, I as I hear you speak about it, Michael, that is, I think we're on the same page here. It's not that people were overtly racist, but they were insensitive to race. And the the blueprint was there with what Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio were doing. Joss Whedon just kicked it off, uh, just refused to go that route. He's, there's that uh, quote that he said, I don't take notes uh, from, I don't even take notes from Robert Downey Jr. That's just arrogance uh, uh, of approaching a project like this, rather than making it a collaborative process, it seemed very much like you're going to kiss my ass and I'm going to do everything and you're going to like it. And I think this is what that old school mentality needs to fucking die once and for all in this town so that we can have more collaborative efforts, more uh, healthy sets, and and it'll still produce great work uh, uh, overall. And I think looking at the, and I think this article is so important in, in highlighting that. And by the way, Warner Brothers still hasn't said shit about Ezra Miller. Still not a damn word about this. And what you see throughout the article, oh, I'm Lebanese American. Oh, uh, Walter Hamada is uh, Asian. He couldn't possibly. Oh, uh, I, can't, I, I used to work for Obama as a lawyer. Like all that shit needs to go out the window. This is one black man experience. Focus on that. Look at that. Listen to him, and then look at all this stuff. And if you're going to do remedial action, I think Warner Brothers is making a mistake by not issuing what remedial action they are taking, so that people can hold them to account, and they can hold themselves to account as well. Ray says we're going to see more of it down the road of this remedial action, but I think he comes off looking really, really well in this article, and Warner Brothers does not. I I, I totally agree with that. I think that. Uh... You know, to your point, everything that Warner Brothers said in the article sounded like Bradley Whitford in Get Out when he said every single thing oh, they said was like, I would have voted a third term for Obama. Yeah, come on down to the basement, buddy. Uh, it was so weird. I was just like, really, that that's what you are going with? Um, but I think like to just go back to your Robert Downey Jr. example, I think like there's two different things happening there. And I think this is where people really need to stop and think like, look, a director who's going to pride himself on saying, I don't even take notes from Robert Downey Jr. So I'm certainly not taking notes from you is just a dick period. Like right. that's like to Shannon's point, like you're not, you're not really engendering yourself to your actors at all in that respect. But there's also a difference. Like Robert Downey Jr. is a white cisgender man. And right. Joss Whedon is a white cisgender man. So any issues that Robert Downey Jr. has with his character, Tony Stark, at least, at least, even though Joss Whedon should absolutely take his actors' uh, opinions into consideration, at the mm -hmm. very least, they're coming from the same place. But yes. if, a, if a cisgender woman or a lesbian or anyone in the LGBTQ community or a black person or any actor of color says to a white cisgender director, 
hey, there are some things you, given your experience, might not have considered in the way that this is coming across. And me living the life that I've led might see this differently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's come up with me as as a gay uh, as a gay cisgender uh, person like that, that where I've yeah. been like, hey, I know that you think this is totally fine and I get why it's funny. Here's why it reads a little bit differently to a gay person. And so I think that mm -hmm. the bigger issue here is that if this wasn't about an actor who was pissed that his role got cut down right. and he was like, I want my role to be bigger. This was, hey, I understand that this movie has to get cut down. Here's why we made some of the choices we made, and here's what yeah. I feel is missing uh, in that what we had felt was really important. Yeah. And that, that was ignored. And I think that it's the ignoring that is the issue when this is not simply a, oh, well, this is just a difference of creative opinion. It's like right. there are different experiences out there and what we are seeing in the movies that are coming out and the stories that are being told and just the conversations that we're all having is that this isn't a PC thing. This isn't an SJW thing. This is right. just a people realistically have different experiences and we need to tell stories that cover all of those experiences. And there are directors of every gender, every color, yep. every orientation that are open to doing that. And we're seeing that there are those that are not, and they are just saying, there's only one way to tell a story and I don't want to be told what to do and screw you. And I think that's not going to get you very far moving forward. Yeah, uh, uh, agreed. I, I, th I, think, I think ultimately you could have had Cyborg's story end up the way it did, which was not good because again, you're, you're, you were taking two different movies and trying to make them one. Yeah, but the I do think, cut, in the original cut, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, for the, the theatrical cut. Um, I do think... Uh, Joss Whedon probably could have gotten a lot farther with like listen listen to Ray's concerns and and respond with listen okay I I hear all that that sounds great that's not what they want anymore right I mean this this is what they want and we all work for them and so I, I think again it's like as you said John like filmmaking is a very collaborative process and if Jeff Johns hadn't shut down, you know, the, 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 what the one hairstylist by saying, it's not, it's not a con, it's not a black thing. It's a continuity thing. If he had said like, listen, this is, this is the look we've established. This is kind of what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Um, I think you get, you get, a, you catch a lot more flies with, with honey than with vinegar. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I think question. that, and I, and my, just, just really quickly, cause my experience, uh, particularly on the executive side, having worked with, uh, you know, writers, directors, producers, and animation, uh, there's a lot of times working at Hasbro that I had to come into a room and tell people, hey, we've got to do something that they really didn't want to do. I've had <laughs> several people yell at me where I'm like, whoa, 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 this wasn't me. This was Mr. Potato Head. Like, do not come at me. This is coming from on high. Uh, but what you do in that situation that always ends up not just keeping everybody happy, but actually ends up better with the end result is to say, I know you don't want to do this. The big bosses are saying we have to do this. Yeah. How do we take what's important to you and wrap this up into this? Like there was probably a conversation that was like, all right, I get why your Vic Stone wouldn't say booyah. Let's talk this through and let's work on this together. Like there's ways that you could have had, and I'm not like arguing that Booyah had to happen. I would have been fine that he didn't say Booyah. It worked yeah. fine in the four hour cut that he didn't. And it would have made the four hour cut four hours and three minutes. So it's probably good that he didn't. Um, but like, you know, I think that there's, there's ways that you handle things and it looks like from top to bottom, 
Warner Brothers. I mean, I think that the bigger issue here is that from Joss Whedon to Jeff Johns to Walter Hamada to Ann Sarnoff, it was handled and shitty. Burke. John Berg, yeah. And Berg. It was, but at least Berg, and Ray Fisher said this, like at least Berg called and apologized. Yeah, Berg reached out to him. Berg uh, totally apologized. Yeah, absolutely. You're right about that, Mike. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And, and and look, Jeff Johns issued a statement here. And remember, part of this article also spoke about how Ray Fisher's agent went to Toby Emmerich, kind of jumping a couple of hurdles here. And I know for old school people, that's like, you don't do that. But uh, you, you got to kind of appreciate Ray Fisher's agency here as a young black actor in this town with his first big role, kind of wanting to fight here. And there was some implications in the article that the the water the people the people in charge of, at Warner Bros at the time felt that Zack Snyder was manipulating uh, uh, Ray Fisher. So that's a little racist as well. So and and the angry black man thing that's a trope that is a racist trope. So if that was said, that is I think an overtly racist moment uh, overall. But yeah, like you said, Mike, there's some insensitivity here. But Jeff Fish, I mean Jeff Johns issued a statement here uh he said in response uh to what ray fisher said uh which is i i consider us to be friends which he knew we were not and i just don't want you to make a bad name for yourself in this business uh uh this came out today howard bragman uh, john publicist jeff john's publicist said since 2013 the ongoing teen titans go animated series has introduced cyborg to a new generation of fans in that series, Cyborg says booyah in an effort to excite fans that were currently watching the series. Cyborg exclaimed, exclaiming booyah was added to the script. The entire studio believed it was a fun moment of synergy. Ray thought the animated series and the expression was childish for his, quote, take on the character. That's such a dick move in a statement. Ray had his agents call Toby Ebrick to express that Ray did not want to say it. To note, in 2015, this is what the publicist says, Ray posted hashtag Booyah on his Facebook page when he was cast as Cyborg, also tweeted Booyah to the actor playing Cyborg in Doom Patrol in 2020. At no point did Jeff ever deliver a veil threat of any kind to Ray. Rather, he told him if there were creative issues, they don't usually get delivered to the head of the studio via agent. So uh, an interesting statement for sure. So clearly people defending their side of things here, and I just don't know what the end goal is of doing that. It, it, it really fascinates me, and this is just something that I think is true in life, whether this is a fight with your friends, a fight with your families, a fight with a studio, like, it just doesn't, this to me is like, the, the going through Twitter and pulling up specific things yeah. to win your argument, and to say, well, on July 30th at 5.04, you tweeted this, therefore, you are completely being, like, this is a lose-lose. Like, yeah. who's winning in this? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Take a step back and be like, you know what? I think we can all agree that this was not the best moment of the DC cinematic <laughs> universe. Yes. Like, there was a lot of confusion. The captain left the ship. We brought someone else on. I think we can all agree that that wasn't the right choice. A lot of people said things trying to get things done. And I think maybe we were a little bit insensitive to things. And looking back on it now, I think we can all agree that we could have handled it better. Yeah. I don't think there's a single person in the world that would go, oh, Warner Brothers fucked that up. Like, that's all you have to do. It's just like we get into these situations where you feel like you have to defend your position and go down with the ship. And it's like, take a step back and just fucking listen and say, yeah, maybe I should have handled that differently. Maybe I could have actually listened to you a little bit more. That's all anybody wants. That's all Ray yeah. Fisher wants. Like, that's yeah. all we need. And the fact that Warner Brothers is incapable of doing that is a 
it's kind of shocking that they would rather lead with, look, he's married to an Asian woman now and a black woman before, and this is a person of color, therefore we're not racist, is like, ugh. Yeah. Like, just, <laughs> just take it on the chin. We all know that it was a shitty time. Like, we all know that it was problematic. Just accept it, and then we can all move on. But they just won't do it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. Just real quick, the thing to hold on to is something my friend Jay Washington said to me once, and it's I come back to now more and more as I read this stuff. All skin folk ain't kin folk. And that's an interesting phrase to kind of work in because myself personally have certainly experienced racist Latinos, uh, you know, racist people on my side of the spectrum. So it's that it, it's not something that's out of the realm of possibility, especially when people are trying to make their name and their bones in this business uh, to move ahead, to move up and what have you. They'll celebrate their ethnicity once they get to the top, but they might step on some people and their ethnicity to get to the top. So it's a very interesting uh, place to navigate uh, Hollywood for sure. Sorry, Shannon, go ahead. No, I was just going to say one more thing about Ray Fisher because, you know, he, he has been, you know, this has been a thing for, for a while. And we even at one point said uh, uh, on our show, like, at some point, you're going to have to say what happens because oh, otherwise it just yeah. looks like it looks like smoke. And you find out that, uh, you know, he was he 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 wasn't going to he wasn't going to name names of people uh, like witnesses, like because he's like, that's yeah. not that's not right. Like if if they if they come forward, fantastic. But I'm not going to throw someone under the bus to make my point. Right. Right. And there's a power in that for sure. And a, a gentlemanly approach uh, for sure in handling this and respectful approach for sure from such a young man. And I hope just like John Boyega's speech out there uh, in uh, Hyde Park in England, I hope this is not something they ding him with like they didn't ding John Boyega with. John Boyega's got a lot of projects lined up now. I hope Ray Fisher starts to line up projects as well. Because that young man, after you watch that four-hour Snyder Cut, is incredibly talented and there is more to come from him. For sure, it may be one. Of, this may be what they call that bell ringing that uh, gets heard by everybody in the town and kind of signals a complete sea change. Hopefully, in executive boardrooms and in direct with directors and producers and studio heads, uh, because this is probably not the end of this and not the last time we'll hear about this until people finally get the message on that side of the fence. Uh, any final words, Mike? Before we wrap, uh, I mean, no, that's really it. You know what? My final word is as. <laughs> As any of you guys get on Twitter and get into those arguments, if yeah. you start going through someone's Twitter and trying to find facts and tweets to back it up, <laughs> please just remember what I said. Just remember what I said. That's all I ask. That's all I ask of you. All right, we're out of here. Thank you all so much for watching this episode of the Geek Buddy. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? All right, well, when you're not going back and digging through the Geek Buddies Twitter, here's what we would like you to do. Uh, we, we love the conversation. We love all you guys coming to the table. So definitely uh, like this post. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page right here. There's a ton of awesome content. Leave your comments below. Uh, what did you think of all the trailers we talked? Which one are you most excited about? What do you think is going on in the Loki trailer? And what do you think of this whole Ray Fisher conversation? Uh, it's probably going to be a really fun conversation. So uh, leave your comment below. If you are listening to us, on Spotify or Anchor or Apple Podcasts. Definitely rate us there. Leave us some stars. Leave us a comment. It definitely helps.
helps us out. And the best thing that you guys can do is obviously retweet this video, uh, post it to your friends' pages, send it to your friends who like to talk geeky content. Uh, we have been growing the Geek Buddies Nation, and we want to keep growing it bigger and bigger and get more and more buddies because who doesn't need more friends? Absolutely. And please, if you're going to comment on the Ray Fisher situation, be respectful down below. I have no qualms about deleting your comment. If it's disrespectful, offensive, racist, misogynistic, what have you, I will delete your comment and block you from the channel. No lie. So please be respectful. I don't mind differences of opinion. Just be respectful for sure. Uh, all right. That's it from us. Thank you all so much again for watching or listening to us. Remember, you can always listen to us on the on the Geek Buddies podcast feed. We are available. Go subscribe to that if you haven't done that as well. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time for another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.